0: Just like that, the second hour is here, the Friday edition of Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow across the Outkick Network. Glad you're joining us there, which includes uh, the live stream as we're live at 6th and Peabody with e Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine for the 6th and P Grand Prix. If you're listening right now to this great radio partner, we say thank you. The 6th and P pre- uh, pre- Grand-, Grand Prix, if I could say it right, is uh, second annual now, all to benefit best buddies. Uh, specifically here in Tennessee, but uh, an event that is among the big ones across the entire United States. And their mission is to build friendships, jobs, and leadership development for people with intellectual and developmental disabilities. We've got the Drift Trikes out here, and with the Music City Grand Prix and uh, IndyCar in town this weekend, they build the event around the great facility and space, which is extremely versatile with Six and Peabody. Oregon and Washington are headed to the Big Ten. The, f- the official announcement will be made this afternoon, keeping a tab on that. And with that, the question is, how do things survive moving forward for the Pac-12? What is the value now? Jim Williams joined us earlier in today's show, media analyst, uh, columnist for Forbes and for Zinger. And I asked him about, hey, the the, the offer that's on the table that they pitched again this morning that Oregon and Washington uh, decided that they weren't going to sign, as well as the other presidents and chancellors of the universities that represent the Pac-12. If you're Apple and you're seeing this movement yet again, how can you come back with the same offer? What leverage does the Pac-12 have? They have none. Uh, There is no life raft currently. Their, Their best option was to get a life preserver, on any of the schools that have the biggest brands and bring uh the 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 most eyeballs to their conference product they're not getting that anymore i get it back-to-back champ utah is still remaining they've been loyal to this point but oregon and washington were uh, they were original members of the conference when it started in 1915. now they're leaving for the big 10. arizona has officially applied for the Big 12. That means they've been approved. They're going to join. And now we wait on Arizona State and Utah. And my guess is, and it's easy to fall into the conclusion of, they'll also make the jump. And then from there, who's left? Cal, Stanford, Washington State, and Oregon State. Apple TV Plus doesn't need that, and they don't need it for whatever the, the floor is on the tier of payment and the subscription service that they're offering to the conference. Then there's Florida State. Florida State has been extremely vocal about wanting out of the ACC agreements. They want more in their media rights package. Now, they're trying to flex and have the ACC pay them more, and they've adjusted the pay scale to certain universities that they announced back in uh, this past spring. Apparently, it's not good enough for FSU presidents and or, or the president and the FSU trustees because they're saying it's not if but when. They don't want to leave the ACC but they're, they're going to have to, that's the sentiment. They're trying to pair up with some financial backing on the outside to help them make the payments needed to exit the media rights agreement, which is around reported $120 million with ESPN and then the grant of rights which is also going to be a steep price, reports where they can negotiate that that down to $300 million total, we'll see, because they're strong-arming the conference right now, but I don't know if they necessarily have the type of leverage that is necessary unless they find the private money in order to cover them while they make the jump to a presumed top conference, power two conference, meaning the Big Ten or the SEC, but they need a partner to go with them. And their partner right now with their media deal is ESPN. ESPN also has the rights, of course, moving forward to the SEC. The SEC is the most logical landing spot for Florida State. I would say that for Clemson as well. We know the SEC really wants Clemson. Uh, But if the Seminoles don't bring much added value to the broadcast partner, because ESPN already has their rights locked up through this grant of rights and through 2036, don't you sit back and think, what about value of other programs that we could add in that bring more to what we're looking for? FSU has a great brand. They haven't been great in college football recently. They feel like they can't be great unless they're gonna get more annually in the media contracts and compete with the Big Ten and the SEC. And to do that, they need to be in the Big Ten or the SEC. It's a jam-packed day. Uh, here at 6th and Peabody, and it's all to benefit Best Buddies of Tennessee. Will Makin is the director for Best Buddies here, and uh, we're back for a second annual event with Old Smokey and Yeehaw Beer, um, and we've got the moonshine going, we've got the beer on tap, and we've got the drift trikes racing, and it's a cool event, and it's on the... right on the doorstep of a big event here in Nashville with the Music yep. City Grand Prix, and it's a great chance to raise uh, big funds for an event and a, an organization you're passionate about and Best Buddies. Tell us about
1: it. Yes, sir. Well, I don't mean to interrupt Florida State you know, football talk. That's all right. I've got a lot to talk about, I they, know, with, They, they <laughs> love Florida talking State. about it, too. Yeah, do <laughs> <Two> they <day laughs> ever. Um, yeah, I went to Vanderbilt, so I don't have a lot of room in that conversation <laughs> either. It's you're of, all set, though, a as facade. a Vanderbilt fan. You're in the SEC. <laughs> no, you know? and I, hey, who knows? That's their problem. Dark horse. They're in the SEC, they don't like it. super, super dark, very dark horse, (laughs) but a horse nonetheless. Um, Actually, that's how I found Best Buddies. Yeah, we're really Really? excited to be here and with Six and Feebody. I'm from St. Louis, Missouri, came to Nashville to go to college at Vanderbilt and stumbled upon Best Buddies, and I kind of found the right friend at the right time for me. Uh, It was a young man, Brian, with Down syndrome, and he's like one of those guys by letting his own light shine, he gives you permission to shine too. He's just so authentic and pure in himself. And he made me feel more comfortable leaning into myself and being who I was. And when you're a freshman in college, that's the kind of thing you cling on to and fall in love with. So that's how I personally found Best Buddies. but That's what Best Buddies does for people with intellectual disabilities across Tennessee is find friends, find jobs, be included.
0: And uh, find jobs, friendships, uh, leadership opportunities for what's available, right? And the the job gives you a purpose, right? Yeah. and it's, it's for those with intellectual and developmental disabilities. And that the mission is to also find more inclusion within jobs in the workspace and finding a purpose for them on a day-to-day basis, right?
1: Yeah, I think our programs manifest themselves and have a really big ripple effect um, that we can't really predict. Like we have programs in schools and in jobs placements, but even events like this you know, are just to benefit Best Buddies. But I think through it, if we have participants out here, through getting to know our mission, people end up leaving with a different understanding of what people can do and just what inclusion looks like. And uh, so we have programs starting in elementary school and going all the way through college. We have an adult friendship program all in in Tennessee. We have programs in about a hundred schools across 21 counties and over 5,000 participants statewide and a jobs program, about 50 different employers across the greater Nashville area as well that have hired people with intellectual disabilities. And uh, not because it's the right thing to do, but because it's a smart thing to do that people are capable and by including people of different backgrounds and perspectives, that's how we find that we get to the best answers and solutions is when we bring in all these different perspectives and hopefully get to you know, the best end point.
0: We'll make it our guest here on Hot Mike with Hutton & Withrow, uh, the director for Best Buddies of Tennessee. You can go to bestbuddies.org for more information on how to help. Um, and helping out is exactly what Old Smoky Moonshine and Yeehaw Beer are doing. They're donating $2 from every tasting at either bar today and it's headed straight to Best Buddies. They've got a 20, it's a 20 or $25 entry fee. Whatever it is, it's not enough based on the course they've got set yeah, up Yeah, I here. was thinking the exact same. Uh, and that goes directly to you that. guys too. And then the the, the, yeah. the the winners of each race, these heats, go into a, uh, a drawing and then that person, uh, the winner, one of the winners, Will be drawn and they get to compete for the, the trophy yeah. that uh, we have here on site for a second consecutive year. Yeah.
1: Sixth and Peabody are such a wild and amazing partner and organization. We got introduced to them, I guess, last spring. Uh, we had a mutual connection uh, with Montgomery Bell Academy. They're one of our big partners. I think the owners of this beautiful establishment have a son that goes there and was involved in Best Buddies. So They did a give back for us last year. And, we ended up kind of parlaying that into, ooh, sports term parlaying that. There you go. Into. I I always (laughs) lose my parlays. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) They love that. Um, Into a presenting sponsorship for our friendship walk last year. And so that just kind of kicked off things. And uh, we recognized them at our annual event where we invite our whole community just to come out and walk for inclusion. Uh, And that was really just the start of it. But then around this time last year, you know, Preston reaches out is like, hey, i got this event. We're like riding tricycles around (laughs) the property. And, we want a charity partner. Could could you guys do it? And um,
0: You said immediately yes. <laughs>
1: yes, of course, yeah. We only do, you know, a couple tricycle-based events a year. But, you know, this was one we were happy to add into the fold. Um, yeah, they're just amazing. And, like, they can pull things off that not many other people can. And so they returned as our presenting sponsor for the Friendship Walk this year. They supported our gala. Uh, we got to be a part of this conversation and planning and helping take this event to the next level. I do think Preston and the team here have identified a really fun Uh, engaging part to the weekend and something that could only grow in years to come but uh, they're ridiculous just one story on our planning call with them they have a few people on and just the sentences that they utter don't seem real to me like talking about oh we got to get x y and z and get the tricycles and i don't know these might spin and it, it is hard to remember what we're talking about and the things that they can pull off um just a really impressive attitude and i think preston's mantra is i've got a guy for that and in our relationship in a year and a half, he's definitely uh, put his money where his mouth is with that.
0: Well, it comes with treating people the right way and having great friends and partners along the way. Um, Will, if uh, we have business owners, entrepreneurs, uh, and those that just want to get involved, how can they do that?
1: Yeah, I mean, there are a variety of ways. I think one of the best ways to get started is just to come out to an event and get to experience the mission. Like, I think I can sell you hard on hiring someone with a disability, on sponsoring one of our events, on doing something like 6th and Peabody, but i think realistically before before you buy into something you you going to kind of have to see it to believe it and i do think we have a mission that is uh, better experience than talk about like i can tell you about the importance of friendship and jobs and including people but until you come out to one of our events and, and just experience it uh, it's going to hit you in a different way and i think make you as a business owner or leader more inclined to do what you can and and understand where you can plug in versus just me trying to say do it you know i'm pretty yeah. biased i i get Paid to tell you to do things with best buddies and to try to get people to partner with us, and um, you know, I like people to come out, experience something, come to this, and realize that you want to be a part of it. Uh, I think this is a great event too. Like obviously, I've, every single person here is with friend friends enjoying, and we just want people with intellectual disabilities to have those same opportunities to make memories and be silly, riding around tricycles, do whatever it is that uh, you know. Hopefully, a lot of people will look back on today and remember it fondly at, you know, until about. 8 o'clock or so or 9 o'clock. And then
0: There's some cool employees here <laughs> yeah. that I know are, are, are with Best Buddies, for too. Sure. Hey, you, you guys do great work. Uh, thanks for running it back this year. And yeah. uh, we'll support it as much as possible whenever Thank Preston you. picks up the phone and says, hey, be on the stage. Yeah,
1: for sure. Well, I think all thanks. We appreciate the, the gratitude and thanks no to doubt, us. Man. But all, all thanks go to Preston, for sure, and the team here.
0: Good luck with the Vandy football yeah. this year. <laughs> hey. Park Lee's going to do better than you think. He's a, you he's don't a know what player. I think, though.
1: No. I, all right, guys, we're going to do another 20 here. All right, let's, let's dig into it. No, Clark, kidding, sorry.
0: Clark's the best dude I've met oh, in yeah. Nashville. He's, he's solid, man. I'm so. a big
1: fan. I was there during the James Franklin era, so yeah, as far well, as having high expectations go, I, I got to see I don't think Clark's leaving. two double-digit uh, win seasons, end of the year ranked. You know, pff, brag on Vandy football while I can. Then I graduated from College the Derrick Mason College football playoff
0: years. 2024.
1: Yes, sir. You heard it here first. Will, thank (laughs) Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Will
0: Maken is the director of Best Buddies in uh, Tennessee and uh, bestbuddies.org for more information, details on your screen if you're watching, on uh, how you can get involved with the 6th and peak Grand Prix if you're in the area. If not, again, bestbuddies.org. LSU, get this. So across college football and any sport, there is no injury report like you get in the NFL. The NFL, on a game week, and the the main practice days, Sunday kickoff, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, there are injury reports released. Friday, the final report, they have to uh, assign a designation going into the game, questionable uh, or out, questionable, doubtful, or out. And in college football, you don't have that. Well, looking at the landscape we're in for sports wagering, and knowing uh, the, the NFL, in part, is doing that to create a competitive balance, but also because of the, the worry of uh, those influencing certain things or influencing staffs trying to pick the, the information out on who's hurt, who's not. That's a huge advantage for those that uh, own the house in sports wagering. Well, now teams have to give that, in a, and they, they are hardcore about it in the NFL. Well, LSU is implementing, through Brian Kelly, a similar injury report. They're going to do this twice a week through their football program. This is now program to program on how they handle this right now across the NCAA. I love this from Brian Kelly. He's saying the the fact that you try to hide injuries is way overrated. He's already been vocal about players in the past who are are or are not going to play in a game based on their injury status. And he's doing this not because of the players, but his staff. He mentioned, I'm more concerned with my staff getting hit up by those making bets or trying to find out the inside scoop, and it coming back on us as the ones giving that information away. I automatically think of Alabama baseball in this manner where the guy who placed the bet knew the starting pitcher was out before anyone else did. And he made such a large bet and demanded that he be allowed to make this cash bet because he had inside information. That's what got flagged at the pay window. Here, he's just putting it out there about who's going to play and who's not and who is questionable and who's not, who's making the trip or not. And I hope other programs follow suit. They won't because college football programs and head coaches are paranoid about everything. And that's why I don't buy Pat Fitzgerald's deal that he didn't know what was going on, at least in some fashion, at Northwestern within the locker room. Coaches know. And if they don't, they have a liaison, a an assistant, a, a player rep that is going to tell them those things. In this case, Brian Kelly's putting it out there well in advance that we're going to be forthcoming and our staff isn't going to be messed with if you want to know the injuries to affect the line or the spread or the 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 parlay that I'll lose, find it through the injury reports we're going to release. This should be mandated. It's not, but it should. It's one step in many that college athletics must take to protect the integrity of what they're doing like the NFL does. Tim Brando is next. Oregon and Washington headed to the Big Ten. Got, of course, Colorado in the Big 12, Arizona soon to follow, and likely Arizona State and Utah. Hot bike with Hutton and Withrow rolls on across the Outkick network. Coming up in about 40 minutes, Albert Hainsworth will join us here as we broadcast at 6th and Peabody with e Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. We say hello to Timmy B. Tim Brando, <laughs> Fox Sports, joins us. Uh, well, here we are again, Tim, uh, yet again discussing conference realignment, expansion. We knew this was coming, and what are we, 22 days away from the regular season getting underway in college football, and it's dominated about yep. 2024 instead of the upcoming season.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that seemingly, hut is uh, the way it works in college football. We spend uh, all of our time talking about the um, – Uh, The television business, the uh, layers of bureaucracy of major institutions across the country, uh, what this president or that athletic director might have in mind. uh, And yet, what about the blinking game, as we always like to say? We'll finally get into that pretty soon. I'm happy to report that uh, Spencer and I will be working week zero uh, in San Diego. And um, we'll have quite a conversation about San Diego State at that time. Because you might recall the letter that that they had sent and then the money that was going to be transferred from from leaving the Mountain West to going to the Pac-12. Then all of a sudden it was like, oh, no, we don't want to do that. And they managed to get their way back into the the Mountain West Conference. And that that may be actually prophetic because we could be looking at a, a cobble of teams from the Mountain West and a cobble of teams left over, probably four of them, Oregon State. Washington State, uh, Stanford, and Cal as the four, uh, you know, the last four standing in what is now the Pac-12 that we'll see at least uh, on paper and on the field this year. So, you know, listen, it's wild. But, uh, you know, if you woke up this morning uh, and you started reading the scribes that that follow this closely, it it looked as though the the Pac-12 presidents might stand pat and that they would have been uh okay with an apple centric deal but ultimately in the end i think the bottom line to all of this is uh when push came to shove i don't think any of the athletic directors could recommend to their presidents that an apple centric television deal with no linear television involved uh, with incentives being really the future of their television money coming in would be quite enough to convince them to stay intact because the money that's there Uh, In a Big Ten deal is, as you know, very, very good. It won't be the same construct as what USC and UCLA have initially, but they'll get to the big money. They will. Uh, And the Big 12 deal is linear television. It's Fox, it's ESPN, it's exposure. And you don't have to worry about that. You know, these people that keep thinking, they're telling me that it's digital this, it's digital that. Yeah, oh, I'm I'm all in. I believe that uh, streaming sports television is in our future, but it is not now. You know, it is not the big uh, kahuna right now. You want to be on network television and you want to know what your money's going to be. You don't want to have incentives built in over a period of time. So I think that's why we find ourselves in this position.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I think it's important to note: like, you can have the streaming aspect. It can't be the primary part of your deal, because... I mean, look at the offer that they're getting. Uh, they they have one on the table, it appears, and they're not signing it. And it's only going to go down, not up, based on everyone leaving. Right. The, the, right. the 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 linear TV deals, Tim, as you well know, they want the big brands on their main channels, and then you have ESPN mm-hmm. Plus, for example, that will air that would air hypothetically Oregon State, Washington State, right? And right, right. you need and, your big and, brands and, and, on the streaming right. because you want you want the
2: subscriptions. And uh, at our place. It would be Fox, okay, that, that you start there. and then you want your, your your next product to be on FS1, particularly in a weekend when right. and maybe some of those really good games are on FS1 during the baseball playoffs because you've got the you know the LCS, LDS, and you've got the World Series. So there's some really good games that still wind up over on FS1. And then you still have those games on the Big Ten network, which is of course uh, primarily owned by Fox. And, and FS2 is also available if, if, if you have, um, you know, games like seven or eight uh, games instead of five or six. So um, and, and but but Fox is really the only company that's not gone deep into the streaming. Uh, they really have concentrated on uh, news, cable news and big time sports on their over the air network. And um, I, I think that it's been proven In terms of eyeballs, how many people are actually watching uh, network television? You know, it's the only thing that's going to outrate a live football game, whether it's the NFL or a big time college football game, is a presidential debate. You know, all the all the really good dramatic shows are on Netflix, Paramount Plus, Peacock and uh, and so on. So that's that's the direction that we're going in in this country. And. I I think network television is going to be heavily involved in uh, live event television, sports television for a long time. And college football is very much a part of that. The portfolio at our place is only growing. Uh, And certainly with the addition of Oregon uh, and Washington, the Big Ten deal gets even bigger and better. And the Big 12, in all likelihood, as you mentioned, is going to see Arizona, the the corner schools, Arizona, uh, along with Utah and uh, Arizona State, follow suit. Uh, we'll see. I think it may take a little more time for uh, Arizona State and um, and Utah because they've got a little paperwork to do. But my guess is they'll be in the fold of the Big 12 for Brett Yormark very, very soon.
0: The great Timmy B. Tim Brando with us on Hot Mike with Hunt and Withrow across the Outkick Network. Tim, the, the Big 12, they have certainly done enough to stay relevant. Have they done enough to stay relevant down the road? Are they a part – do they have the seat at the table two or three years from now, or is this a Band-Aid? I've heard both arguments. I tend to think they're doing enough right now uh, to to move forward with plenty of confidence.
2: Anyone saying that it's a Band-Aid is an elitist, okay, that's just uh, filled with pomp and circumstance and wants to say that, well, if you're not in the Big Ten and you're not at the SEC, then you really don't matter. I've got no – I got no time for those people. Okay. They're elitists period. End of story. Um, You know, look at what the big 12 has done recently. Uh, Look how they were able to navigate through losing two of the biggest brands in college football and managed to get a deal that's worth more to the teams that are left remaining in the big 12 than those schools made when Oklahoma and Texas were in their league. The reason for that, was because they they weren't getting the same piece of the pie that OU and Texas were from the time the Longhorn Network was put in play, which, by the way, was a $300 million mistake by the worldwide leader. Uh, uh, listen, the Big 12 is has is got, definitely got a seat at the table. No, they don't have uh, any team that's got the same pull or the same draw that either Oklahoma or Texas have. But when you put together... Programs like BYU and those three out of the American conference that have been so relevant, UCF, Houston, and clearly, you know, without a doubt, when you look at at what's been done most recently in the American conference with with Cincinnati's major run into the, the final four of the college football playoff two years ago, my God, I mean, what else can you do? And you get BYU, which I think has an international following. If Utah does come into the league, and it looks like they will, uh, the biggest rivalry the Big 12 will have will be the Holy War in Provo or in Salt Lake. And and that's a game that people outside that, that footprint in the mountain time zone care about and will watch. So, no, they've got the, their feet cemented firmly, uh, I think, in a positive way for the future of college football. And it's time that we stop with this. Uh, Big two and the rest are underlings conversation and power five and group of uh, there are 133 division one football programs in this country playing right now in 10 conferences it may be nine soon with the PAC 12 folding if that is in fact what winds up happening here, they could wind up merging with the Mountain West, although I don't know from a financial standpoint how that works because the Mountain West does have a linear TV deal that runs for quite a few years. Fox got that sewn up a couple of years ago. Um, I mean, I think that there's, there's, there's so much out there for college football for all of those teams. It's time we categorize it as this division one college football. Okay. Put on your big boy pants, go out and play, see how well you do. And when we see programs that have done and emerged like TCU did last year, like Cincinnati did, a couple of years ago, like UCF did uh, with an undefeated team a few years ago when Frost was there, it's time we give those teams their due. And and this categorizing and looking down uh, our noses condescendingly at other programs—that crap's got to stop. And this is one member of the media that's going to see to it that it does.
0: Big 12 also has prime time. Dion. You say Dion to the Big 12 was always inevitable. Uh, I'm setting you up to to let me know why. Why was it always a foregone conclusion?
2: Well, you know, you can't go into Los Angeles now and get your great players. Uh, From the moment he was hired, uh, I I came on with you guys and I said, listen, I think this was in the works from the moment he took the job. Uh, Colorado in and of itself, to me, was not a program that you leave Jackson State for unless Colorado had big plans, and they did. And I'm sure they discussed this with Dion before he took the job. Um, their footprint can no longer be out west for their success. From a recruiting standpoint, they want to get into the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. Who better to do that with than Dion Sanders as your head coach? Um, they bring great market value to the Big 12. Now, the one thing we can't say about the conference And if people want to be critical of the Big 12 and say, well, you know, they typically don't rate. They've got teams in Manhattan, Kansas, in uh, Ames, Iowa, in uh, the hinterlands of Stillwater, Oklahoma. Yeah, you're right. But when you add Denver, you add the the Rocky Mountain region and you bring in the market of Denver, that's what Colorado brings. And with Dion, they bring even more than that. They bring national panache. They're going to lead off our season on Fox. Gus Johnson and Joel Cloud are going to see them two weeks in a row, you know, with the opener at TCU. And then the the following week, they're going to be uh, at home to take on Nebraska and kind of a remake of what used to be an old big eight rivalry when McCartney was winning and vying for pieces of the national championship. So, you know, Colorado could have a proud tradition reborn and they're going to be the big kahuna in the big 12 to start our season in terms of exposure. Now they got to get something done. I don't think he's going to win a lot of games, particularly this year, but in time, his recruitment of great players out of the Dallas Fort worth Metroplex is going to be huge. And when McCartney was there and he got that thing going with um, people on his staff, like Jerry Donardo and Les Miles, uh, and he won half the national championship uh, in the season of the, of the fifth down game, you might recall at Mizzou. Most of his great talent was coming out of South central Los Angeles. They're not going to be able to get those guys anymore because they're all going to stay. They're going to stay in school there to play in the big 10. So he's got to go into the, the central time zone to get it done. And that was the reason for it. And I think he also knew Dion did that uh, to, to make an impact and make it sooner than later to go into a program like Colorado, that's dormant really. And, a, and a, and a program that's going to be making a move and trying to do something fresh, as an administration he was in lockstep with their administrative people and uh it was just well-timed and you watch uh arizona utah especially uh when they come into the league that's going to even make the big 12 uh more competitive and um, more must-see tv in the years that follow i think it's going to be better for the big 12 three years down the road than it is right now
0: tim we've got exactly one minute left um you know the ACC very well. What's Florida State up to uh, with being as vocal as they are, and what's going to happen? Uh, do, do they have anything happening right now, or are they just trying to create something? Well,
2: I think when you look in the state of Florida, let's not forget that the state capital is in Tallahassee. Our, our old friend Keith Jackson would say, you know, the decision makers in the state of Florida are in Tallahassee yet there's a pack of wolves down there calling themselves Gators that are going to see to it to keep them out of the Southeastern Conference. I think those days may be gone by the boards. Florida does not have the might and the muscle it once did, and now the ringleaders of Florida State are ready to say, look, if we want to be relevant, it's not going to be in the ACC. We can't base our success on just one game every year against Clemson. The rest of that conference has really gone downhill and has not been able to, oh, there's been a few runs here and there. North Carolina State's had their moments. Wake Forest had a very good season last year with Hartman and quarterback before he transferred to Notre Dame. But Hutt, um, I do think Florida State is chirping loudly because they know something's up. If you notice, Clemson has been very quiet because the president of yes. Florida State is doing all of the, he's doing all of the dirty work for them. So Uh, I do think you're going to see some movement in the ACC very, very short.
0: Tim Brando, the best. Timmy B, always enjoy when you come on, man. Thank you so much and look forward to the next visit. Tim Brando there. We'll break down some of what he had to say coming up later in the show when we come back. What's happening at your local Sonic? Hopefully not what happened in the news from Let's Get Weird with Davey Hudson. That's next on Hot Mic. 6th and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. The 6th and P Grand Prix was happening uh, behind us in about 20 minutes. That's when Albert Haynesworth will also join us here on the stage, the indoor stage. Raining outside today, rain or shine, the race goes on, just like the Music City Grand Prix later this weekend. Uh, glad you're with us. Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow across the Outkick Network. We'll get back into conference expansion, Oregon and Washington. They're headed to the Big Ten in 2024 dive into with Johnny Manziel and the uh, documentary series that's coming out uh, featuring him on Netflix that drops next Tuesday. A very introspective chat is what is expected. Uh, Looking forward to discussing that. Davey Hudson joins us. Good to see you, man. You as well, bud. It is uh, is that time of the day. Uh, That it is. I mentioned uh, on the the way to break, um, what happens at your local Sonic Mm. and, and hopefully whatever the details are with what you're about to bring up doesn't happen whenever I visit Sonic the next time. It's time for Let's Get Weird. <laughs> <laughs> Anchorman, yeah. Uh, yeah. And Brick
3: uh, There, There were horses and a man on fire and I killed a guy with a trident. Yeah, Brick. I've been meaning to talk to you about that. You should find a safe house or lay low because you're probably wanted for murder. Uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a classic film, uh, and it's best. one of those things to relate to our, our first story. I'm excited Not for enough. today's. Let's get weird. Yeah. <laughs> Fortunately, nobody died. I will. I will go ahead and say that out, the, Which out is of the remarkable. beginning. Yeah. So uh, we go out to Tulsa, Oklahoma. 54-year-old Clinton Collins. This man uh, is something else. He actually took a flagpole. And decided to stab a guy in the head with it. Uh, as to the reasoning behind it, we still do not know, but <laughs> it is it is one of those things to where uh, Hutt, you and I, we can speculate here in a, a minute. But this happened at the the Tulsa at a Sonic in Tulsa. This man, uh, they did not release the name of the guy who survived, but he literally was stabbed through the bottom of his neck up and it came out his temple. So this it guy went through his skull. The details. Yes. Say. Yes, yeah, so like through through the bottom of the neck, up, out. I, I don't know how he survived. Uh, that they, they are saying he could potentially lose his eye, but he is expected to survive. Um,
0: Stabbed with what?
3: A, a flagpole, and it still had the flag attached. I mean, hashtag My America. So it's,
0: wow, the American flag was on the other end? Yes,
3: and so <laughs> when they were trying to get this guy in the ambulance, they actually had to like cut the flagpole in half just so he could physically fit into the vehicle.
0: I don't know how this guy's alive um clinton collins looks the uh, looks the part for for this story by the way he, he looks like to, to me he looks like he's been propped up in the late 1800s for the death photo that like uh, the the civil war era yeah. death photo where uh, he would be wearing a suit presumably for that but i mean you know he's he's arrested he i don't know if uh, what he what was he on i He's on something.
3: I mean, I honestly, like, as far as speculation goes, like, I feel like this was probably a meth deal gone bad, okay. and, and things got out of hand. I could be wrong. I don't know anything is in addition to to what I have told you at this point. But I mean, something had to happen. We're talking about a Tulsa Sonic. I, I mean, the guy
0: I, I, survived though, which blows my mind. Uh, through the neck, up through the temple, and the dude is alive. Yeah.
3: I, listen, uh, one of the stories that we had, or this did take place on Wednesday night, like 7:30, um, but. I remember a Sonic near my hometown, they had to shut down for a while because they were doing meth out of the back of it. And so like, I don't know if I'm just taking that and putting it here, I'm like, hey, they might have had something going on that was similar around there. But it was like, I mean, obviously if you're selling meth, they have to shut that thing down for a while. Yes. Uh, but it was one of those things, too, to where I think what got them caught was there was a certain order you would have when you ordered the meth, like through the drive-through, like this is how you would do it. and somebody that was not exactly asking for that specific order ended up getting met. And so that's what ultimately led to things the, uh, shutting, they, shutting down you know, there. They, yeah. they
0: swapped the cups out of the bags yeah. or something. And Unfortunate it, it, for them. It,
3: it took like 18 months before they were able to get that up and running again. But, that that uh, means yeah. it was the manager. Clinton Williams obviously uh, arrested, charged with maiming, which is still a crime. And um, we'll, uh, I don't know, we'll, we'll, if, I, if I find more on this, I'll, I'll definitely let you know. Uh, but Hut, to move on to our next story i don't know if you saw this video that happened came out of boston but there was a cop and this cop decided to go down this slide and it's one of those things to where i didn't know a slide could be that crazy yeah we do have video of this
0: i I, I actually i don't watch a ton of clips like this i did see this and i mean he's coming down uh on his stomach but backwards yeah i I don't know if he intentionally went down that way backwards
3: or if he got turned around inside the slide but it's one of those things, you know, it, it was interesting. The, uh, the, his sergeant actually had to release a statement. I'm assuming he was off-duty at the time. But he ended up, um, he was hurt, and he used his own personal medical insurance to be treated, according to, according to Sergeant Detective John Boyle. Uh, he lost no time in his return to work, but this thing's has just been going around. When was the last time, first off, gravity always wins. That's just something you should know. But when was the last time you even went down a slide?
0: It was a water slide last summer, but prior to that, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't remember. Uh, I didn't go down many slides whenever I was in middle school or, uh, you know, elementary school because that, uh, whenever it was time to go outside, we always went to the basketball court. Yeah, you know, and there are some that would be on the playground, but it wasn't. I don't recall doing that all that often, uh, anyway. But I mean, certainly I did in that uh, in that time of life. But I I can't tell you the last time I went down a slide. You, I'm sure you may have done something last night.
3: No, not not quite. I I did work at a summer camp, so I'm sure like that you was during what? college. So that that would have been. I bet I
0: bet it was like at a uh, a county fair or something. Is okay. the last time I did. But you have those like race slides you know what yes. i'm talking about but not, not like something you would see on a playground which is what this cop is yeah. doing which in I, uniform. I
3: don't understand like how he even got to the point it's like hey i'm gonna go up here and do this but uh yeah we, we it's saw the, the it's outcome the way he came down too yeah the fact the there was not serious injury there it's just like he looks dead right there like that's like a limp fish <laughs> and
0: he's worse off than the guy that got stabbed by a flagpole
3: yeah so i, I don't know um but uh, speaking of gravity, you know, the fact of the day, we've been, we've been on a specific, um, I guess, topic, matter, as it relates the to the calendars, sun, the, the sun, stuff like that. And so, you know, it's, it's one of those things. But if I were to ask you, huh, what color is the sun? What would you say? Yellow. Yeah, I mean, that's, that makes sense. That's what it looks like. But actually, if you are able to get outside of Earth's atmosphere, the sun is white. So like a star. Yeah, well, I mean, stars, like they all kind of have different colors, but I mean, there's, there's a great photo of, of what it actually looks like with a solar filter on it, but it, it's white. And the way in which we, you know, certain times of the day, if it's like going down around the horizon, it might look a little bit more reddish. Uh, at the top of, you know, noon, it's, it's looking very yellow. It's just how our eyes perceive it based off the uh, dust in the air, and then just once it enters the atmosphere, there's also the, the blue that impacts it off the ocean. Uh, so it's just there's several things that go into it. But, yeah, you just always think you look up at it. It's yellow. Uh, now I'm not telling you to go outside and just look directly at the sun. We obviously know that's not safe. But but uh, white is technically well, the color. But,
0: uh, but you're saying that even outside of, like, where the International Space Station. Yeah. It, it, like, it's definitely uh, red or yellow there. No, no, it'd on be white. It'd,
3: it'd be white. Yeah, but
0: I can go watch it live right now. The sunset and the, and the uh, sunrise within a, what is it, a two-hour deal? Of, they can... They could rotate the
3: Earth? I, I'm not sure on that, but that's typically because of the filter that they will have whenever they are filming that.
0: See, this, this makes people uh, jump to conclusions that, oh, everything's fake from what they're
3: doing yeah. up there. Well, it's, it's just... It's, it's yellow. It's it all about fake how we perceive it. And, I mean, like, light on a spectrum, you could argue, like, there's so many different colors coming through, but the way that your eyes would technically perceive it, if you take all the filters away, everything of that nature, it, it is white. Even though, and then, again, the other thing that people look at, it's like, it's classified as a yellow dwarf star. Uh, but it's not actually yellow, so, yeah, the more you
0: know. Somehow NASA sent a, a, a robot or a camera up there, and it finally reached.
3: There was a, uh, a video that was, um, it was like scientists in Trinidad and Tobago said they were going to send a rocket to the sun. And uh, the NASA scientist said, uh, you can't not do that. The, the rocket will melt. And the scientists of Trinidad and Tobago said, no, we're not going in the day. We are going in the night. <laughs> and it's just like, I don't know. I just always thought that one was funny. Uh but um
0: it was made in Hollywood anyway, David. Yeah.
3: So but th- but then uh our, our next story, want to make sure I got the the right order here. Um so Rudy Gobert, we're just going to come back, you know, add a little bit of sports flavor to this. Rudy Gobert hit his first three-pointer in his professional career. And, you know, 7-foot-1 center uh always recently known, re- uh, last night or the day before, I believe. Uh this was over uh he was playing for the French national team. So but he finally hit a three. There, uh, th- there's a video of this where we actually have it, but they asked him after the game, what would you compare it to? What do you think he said?
0: Um, hitting a buzzer beater for the NBA Finals, which I mean, if, you, if you've never hit a three, I don't know how that's possible given all the basketball he's played. He's never hit a
3: three. He's, he's only taken 14 three-point shots in his NBA career. I, I did see that stat. I don't know how many he's actually taken in international play, but um, he said, the, "the quote was he said tonight I felt like I lost my virginity." So <laughs> it's always good, you know, and yeah. to see the athletes show a little bit of fun and flair with with. That's that. good. Yeah.
0: I, I, I'm stunned by that, though. In competition, he's never hit a three-pointer.
3: Yeah, there was a. I actually don't. We don't have the graphic. I mean, Shaq
0: has hit a three quicker than he did.
3: But uh, there, there was a stat that was recently out that's um, in the last ten seasons. Rudy definitely has the most points uh, without a three-pointer. He scored 8,531 points in the last ten seasons without hitting a single three-pointer.
0: So. Uh, did you see uh, Wimbenyama uh, whenever they did the uh, the media shoot with the Spurs? I, I haven't the seen the brief that. shoot around when he first did there for the he was there for the press conference. Was he just
3: bricking stuff left and right? He
0: hit like one shot. and He, he attempted like five. <laughs> It did not look great. It's
3: already having a second. It did, second, it did not look great. I mean, I, was, on the first I think pit. he's a
0: solid player. Yeah. But, like, seeing him with all the cameras around, he didn't look like the, the highlight reels that are spectacular. Let's put it that way. He also should be shooting threes based on those five shots. But we've certainly seen him do the, it.
3: The highlight he had that went viral was he shot a three in international play, missed it, and after two steps got his own rebound and just Slammed dunked it. it. Yeah. So everyone's like, oh, my gosh. Draymond would say good luck one. with
0: that if I'm on the court. You're yeah. not going through me.
3: Um, and then, you know, uh, this isn't technically losing your virginity, but the final story is a type of virginity. Uh, you don't have to answer this question if you don't want to, but are you currently a member of the Mile High Club? I am not. Okay. I, I am not either. Um, the, the, the next story, so there's an Australian – Influencer, you can call her an OnlyFans model. I've already forgot her name. It's in here somewhere. Oh, Caitlin Rose. That's uh, that's a that's a made-up name, by the way. Uh, but she went ahead and started putting forth this this promo video about there's a company that you can pay to have them fly you in like a Cessna and lose your virginity or your you get your Mile High Club. Uh, card.
0: Oh, so they're sending you up in a, uh, a private yes. plane, but a smaller plane, and then you, they have like a mattress in they there? They got a mattress
3: there and, and you can do the deed. But it costs $1,300. And I'm just thinking, who would pay $1,300? And then at the end of it, there's a, there's a photo of like the pilot signing that you get the certificate of, of joining the Mile High Club. It's like whatever happened to just being in a, you know, a, a terrible Southwest flight and you sneak into the bathroom, with your, your girlfriend or your wife or whatever, and then you have to slowly make sure one of them gets out before the other and someone's actually filming you the entire time and they just know well, some I've, naughty stuff's been going on. But
0: I've thought this, I've thought about this. So, like, even if you if you attempt this, I don't know, if, if two are in the, the restroom, yeah. there's a, you're not supposed to get up and go to the restroom until someone comes out, but Correct. as soon as one person comes out and the other one's waiting, yeah, the next person's coming straight down the aisle yeah. for it. Maybe do. Join them on club.
3: <laughs> I don't know. That video, uh, Love Cupid is the uh, name of the company. So I am assu- i don't know if that's even in Australia. I just, or Love Cloud, not Love Cupid. Love Cupid actually sounds probably a little bit Love better. Cloud, it, Love Cloud. Love Cloud. It's a Cessna, four, a twin-engine Cessna 414. Imagine
0: so. the pilot who came up
3: with this. Well, and they also said the pilot can't hear you. They're oh, like, oh, yeah. Whatever. It's like, yeah, it's like, he's, there's probably like a, a camera that he's got set up. You know, yes, no half it's these It's going to be live streamed. They wanted somewhere. to do this, yeah. So... It's just, you never know what you're, what you're going to run into nowadays. I've already seen some stories that um, carry over into next week, but it's always something, <laughs> you know. The the world, it's it's going to hell in a handbasket, if you ask me.
0: Davey uh, did receive a text from a potential date, which yeah, we'll have to hit next week.
3: Yeah, that's, uh, well, that'll happen uh, actually when I go back home. That's, that's what was weird about it. So, um, yeah, I gotta, I'll gotta i be back home in a couple of weeks. She's a planner. Yeah.
0: She's a plan. That's so, good.
3: So looking forward to that. I guess I'll uh, let you know how that goes. I'm sure I'll find a way to, de- to destroy that relationship very quickly. So just I, I could just take this segment and just start giving her these storylines. We'll see how long it lasts before she decides to get up and leave.
0: Let's get weird with Davey Hudson. Uh, weekdays here on the show coming up. Live from 6th of Peabody in the 6th of Peabody Grand Prix, we've got the main race with the celebs, and Albert Hainsworth joins us on stage. That's next on Hot Mike with Hudden Withrow across the Outkick Network.